Welcome to the third season of Between the Lines, the podcast that brings you interviews with some lesser-known Canadian authors and writers. In this season, we will be exploring some of the works of these unknown but talented poets from various locations across this great country. From the breathtaking landscapes of the far north to the bustling downtown city streets, these writers have captured the essence of Canada in their words. In each episode, we will delve into the lives and careers of these fascinating individuals, learning about their inspirations, challenges, and their triumphs. So join us as we discover the hidden gems of Canadian literature and uncover the stories Between the Lines. Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On today's show, I will be speaking with Windsor, Ontario's own Carl Jurgens or Jurgens, depending on how you want to say it, author of The Razor's Edge, along with many others. Hello, Carl, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, uh, I'm delighted to be here, and thank you, Randy, for uh, your show and Between the Lines. I, I, I'm intrigued. Well, you know, it's it's big on my heart to do this. Because uh, I, I really feel that there's a lot of good authors out there um, who don't get the time of day from the, the big five or, you know, the, the major publishing companies who deserve the break. And so I, I just, this is my opportunity to give back to the writing community. Thank you. You're, oh, you're very welcome. Um, as I was reading through your list of accolades, <laughs> um, I was starting to wonder, Carl, uh, why you'd even want to do this show. I mean, your your list of accolades is incredible, but thanks for agreeing to do this. <laughs> well, well, thanks. Uh, yeah, um, you mentioned the big five. I'm I'm one of those outsiders too. Uh, so I've, I've done all kinds of work uh, all over the place and uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still considered a bit of an outsider. Um Anyway, so it's an interesting question. Thanks for asking it. That's uh, that's where I'm most comfortable is outside. Yeah, cool. Uh, the foc- today's focus is uh, on poetry. I've only had some poetry published, uh, but no poetry books yet. So I thought maybe I fit in. Uh, although I was recently selected for inclusion in the anthology Best Poetry of 2023, which gathers poems published in 2022. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of weird. Uh, that as strange that I don't know, I I finally got recognition in that little way. Uh, Recently, I've read my poetry at several sites, including around Southwestern Ontario, including the Words Fest in London, uh, Ontario, where I read some of my poems and poems of others in support of Ukraine. Um, There's a war there, as we all know. And uh, I've written books about poets like Chris Dudney and Bill Bissett, and I've edited... uh, uh, books of art and poetry, and I've published a lot of poetry by many other people over the years, including in my grassroots magazine, Rampike, which um, was distributed internationally. And, but I think of your show as grassroots, and I think that grassroots folks should stick together. So as far as I, since I haven't pub- published a book of poetry, I thought I, 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 I keep writing poetry, can't help myself, but I figured uh, I, that would cover it, you know, about the grassroots part. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, I'm more rooty than grassy, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> well, thank you for, for that. Um, normally at this point, we'd go right into a uh, question period. And, uh, but because this season I'm focusing on Canadian poets and their poetry, uh, I thought it would be, um, more appropriate for, before we get going for my guest to start us off with a poem. So if you have one handy, could you read it for us? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, this is the one that I, I had uh, selected for best poetry of 2023. Uh, it's called Father's Day, and it was published first in TypeScript Magazine, which is an online mag out of the USA, edited by Teresa Smalek. But it's a prose poem, and I'll try to make it pretty short. Uh, so anyway, here it is. <clears throat> it's Father's Day again. In my dreams, I see my father standing there, surveying Theodolite atop a tripod up in Sudbury, far from Riga. He ran for his life, and now he's in this place, in bed, aged 90 with Parkinson's. He stutters. Words break in his mouth. He can barely walk. When he does, he staggers, falls into a wheelchair. He thinks he's 99. He's not. He thinks he's going to work today. He's not. He thinks he's late for work. He's not. He thinks he's in Riga. He's not. His eyeglasses no longer serve. He can't focus. He insists that his toothbrush must be exactly 5.88 millimeters. No more, no less. He's lying in bed, in diapers, trousers round his ankles, unable to stand, not good at moving. He tells me that he dreamt that he walked around the room, walked outside, smelled pine fresh air on the family farm. He hasn't been on that farm since 1942. He has no idea what year it is. I tell him to read my calendar book. The date is clearly posted. He can't focus. He thinks it's 1945. It's not. He thinks he's 99 years old. He's 90. He thinks the clock is wrong. It's not. He thinks he has to go to work. He doesn't. He thinks his wife works every day. She doesn't. He thinks people are stealing stuff from his bathroom. They're not. He thinks he's signed numerous legal documents. He hasn't. He thinks I've written my address on the wall. I have not. I explain all of this to him slowly. He, ha he only half listens. It takes time. I think I'm going to get a parking ticket. I don't. That's it. Wow. So that sounds like it's personal experience. Is, is there any truth to that? Yeah, largely uh, I write from uh, personal experience. I, I mix um, biography, autobiography with, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know what to call it, poetics, fiction, whatever you call it, writing. Okay. Yeah, I mix them up. I, yeah. I, I ignore the rules. <laughs> Well, that's good because rules are meant to be broken. Are they not? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, you know, because like a lot of the poetry that I write and I post online or whatever, people read it and they, they think it's all about me. And sometimes it's not got nothing to do with me. It's just yeah. something that came out. And there are other times where it's it's chock full of personal experience, right? But I in that poem, I got a sense of um, realism. Through, all throughout it. So thank you thanks. for sharing that. Well, thanks. Um, do you have a preferred style of poetry? Um, for example, you know, sonnet or limerick or haiku or I mean, the list can go on. Well, that's, that's interesting you ask that. Um, well, publishers usually prefer my lyric poetry, but when I read at live venues, I like to do rap or sound poetry. Uh, can I give you a short example, just under one minute to illustrate? 
Absolutely. Take as much time as you need. We're, we're not okay. under time restrictions. Right. Okay. So this is, a, this is a piece that I sometimes do live and uh, <clears throat> I memorize it. it. It goes like this. Scintillating semantique is the thing that does the trick. Grand eloquent fecundity fills the ear most pleasantly, but we all best accentuate when clearly we enunciate. Lecture, preach, pray and teach. Fill the room up with your speech. Jibber jabber like a monkey. Talk the hind leg off a donkey. We've all heard some great orations, speakers, clever declarations, recitations, exhortations, wisely worded perorations. Only one thing you got to know whether you come or whether you go. Language is as language does. There ain't no need to make a fuss, provided your vernacular is acoustically spectacular. That's, That's, it. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks. Now, um, no, that is, that's kind of cool. I've, uh, I've tried that and failed miserably, but I keep trying. <laughs> How long did it take yeah. you to write that? Um, well, that's part of a much longer piece that's, uh, about 14 pages long. I memorized the whole thing and I delivered it on stage. It was really hard. It, it was, uh, it's, it's the tail end of a piece that I, that I wrote. Uh, yeah, it, the whole thing, I guess, took me about a month to write uh, all 14 pages, but I, I just worked on it every day. So you say you performed it live in front of people? Yeah, like uh, the full piece is, uh, as I say, about 14 pages long. And I, I perform, memorized it and performed it live in front of people. Yeah. And what was the response? They liked it. <laughs> I, I bet. I mean, that little bit. I mean, you, you know, I was chuckling because... Um, the visual that I have of you and reading it, I mean, you know, they don't go hand in hand, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like I'm a prof type, you know, professorial, and that's just like completely opposite of what I what I look like. Normally. Would you ever read that to your students? Yeah, I did that just to just to snap them out of uh, their sense of who I am, and uh, it worked pretty good. You know, I they, bet they it would, did. They, they would be slightly shocked. They'd go, "What the hell's the prof up to now?" <laughs> Well, a shock value says a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. That was, I like it. Um, uh, where has your, where has your writing, including your poetry, um, been published? Oh, uh, well, before I say that, um, maybe I could give you an example of a sound poem that I've done too. Sure. Uh, like it's only 10 seconds long. Doesn't matter. Um, uh, I, I, I recently did a, a sound poetry workshop for the Art Council of Windsor, where I spoke about Canadian artists such as the automatists of Quebec, who included individuals such as Claude Gauvre, Gauvreau, I have trouble pronouncing the name, who, who wrote sound poems uh, called Japmont à la Lune, which means basically yells at, yelps at the moon, uh, which was uh, adeptly deployed by Steve McCaffrey just yesterday night at a launch in Toronto uh, where they were launching Gavro's new tr newly translated play The Vampire and the Nymphomaniac which was translated by prize-winning automatist specialist Ray Ellenwood who was my former thesis advisor at York University so as an example I'll just cite, cite that uh, it's a 10 second sound poem and, and it goes something like this I just make them up every time that's it. You know, if, if I had walked into uh, a building or a room and you were 
doing that, I might have been thinking you were speaking in tongues. Possibly, yeah, or get get the uh, get the uh, men in white coats to come and haul me away. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go there, but <laughs> so yeah, we've a straight jacket or something. You've kind of uh, mentioned, and I've mentioned uh, that you're a prof or a teacher, or, or so. Do you want to give us a little bit of your all those letters that follow your name? Give us a little bit of. Like... Well, yeah, I've got. I, I'm a prof, and uh, your your previous question was. Uh, where I publish stuff. So maybe that's a good way to float into that. There you go. Um, I, I, I published in a lot of little magazines uh, around the world, but um, if you're focusing on poetry, then um, I got to look at uh, my visual poetry because uh, I do visual poems, which um, sometimes are better received than uh, lyric poetry. Uh, I find lyric poetry to be like a, uh, almost uh, a kind of circle of people who, who are familiar with that. And I'm, I'm a bit of an outsider. So with the uh, visual poetry, I, I kind of fit in more. I don't know. They, maybe it's because they accept me more. I'm not sure. But anyway, some of the lyric poetry has appeared in uh, mags like Mouse Eggs out of Montreal, which is a reference to mouse poo. Right. Um, and uh, I've also appeared in uh, the TypeScript, uh, which I mentioned earlier, Filling Station uh, in middle of Canada, Fiddlehead, Descant, uh, and online in uh, mags such as Brave New Word, not to be confused with Brave New World, uh, Passwort, uh, which is out of Castle, Germany, Someone Editions in Toronto, Ottawa Newsletter, edited by Rob McLennan, and The Last Vispo, uh, which is in the USA, edited by Craig Hill and Nico Vasilakis. Uh, I've also been in... Uh, Australia, Nietzsche's Brawley in Toronto, um, Polartis in Australia, Oferta Special in Italy, uh, Inter Magazine in Quebec City. Uh, but um, a lot of my writing is uh, fictional, and it, it's appeared uh, fairly widely internationally. But I've also published uh, essays internationally, including an open letter magazine in Canada and World Literature Today in the USA. So anyway, that's just the start. So with reference to the uh, professorial angle, I taught for quite a while. Uh, I taught at uh, five different universities, including Humber College, uh, York U, uh, U of T, uh, Laurentian, which just faced a whole bunch of uh, difficulties involving labor conditions. And um, I ended up at University of Windsor, which is a, a good place. And, and they all had uh, creative writing programs. So I was able to keep uh, one foot in the uh, in the real world uh, by publishing my magazine, and the other foot in the academic world by uh, teaching classes. Wonderful. And how long have you been doing this? Oh, most of my life. I'm retired now. I I, I recently retired because of COVID. I, I retired earlier than I wanted to because of the COVID illness. And uh, I didn't want to get exposed. And, and then I found out you had to teach online. And I just went, no, I don't want to do that learning curve. Instead, I want to write a book. So I, did. I, I just left the job and I dropped it. And I, I started writing a book and it came out just recently and it's doing well. So I'm going, well, maybe I'll just write some more books. <laughs> hey, why not? Yeah, why not? That's wonderful. Um, thanks for sharing that little bit about you. Um. Let's see here. Let's move on to the next question. How does your cultural background 
translate into your writing? Well, that's that's a good question, uh, and thanks for asking. We were chatting a little bit before the interview about that, and I'm of Latvian background. And Latvia, for people who don't know, is next to Estonia, a sandwich between Estonia and Lithuania, and it's near Scandinavia. And I'm unsure if your listeners know, but Latvia was occupied for 800 of the last 1,000 years by different European powers, including Germany and Russia. So echoes of uh, Ukraine there. Um, and there was a lot of slavery, except they called my ancestors serfs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's humbling to come from that background. Latvians always try to see the world in a practical way. But my parents were both war refugees. Uh, and I was born in Toronto. Uh, I pronounce it Trana, uh, T-R-A-W-N-A. Uh, but Latvians like to joke about difficulties. Uh, for example, Latvians know much about freedom because we've been liberated many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to work with a guy from Estonia. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've heard the anecdotes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's wonderful. And, and Tirana, the center of Canada. Yeah. That's so another story. Say, I don't know. Vancouver's pretty big. Calgary's important too. And then uh, there's Montreal and, and uh, Halifax. Well, I call Calgary Toronto West. There we go. <laughs> Which both cities I'm not very big fan of. I got a lot of friends in both cities, but the cities themselves. Anyway, <laughs> um, has coaching other writers changed your literary approach? Sure. Yeah. Um Good question, and thanks for asking. Uh, I would say yes. Uh, I've done a lot of teaching and editing, and you learn a lot from people when you try to coach them. Um, And in addition, I was on the steering committee for BookFest Windsor for about 10 years. We were closely connected to the book trade and provided students and aspiring younger writers opportunities to gain practical experience. So I'd say coaching profoundly changed me. You learn humbleness and creative problem-solving uh, from uh, other people that you're coaching. So, yeah. How do you, how do you teach somebody who's just learning that they like to write uh, poetry or whatever? Um, how do you teach them? Because within poetry, there's, you know, different styles, as we mentioned earlier. Um, but, you, you know, they follow certain patterns like ABBA, whatever, right? Do you ever encourage people to think outside of those boxes and be creative on their own without following a certain, you know, this is how poetry goes or, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I I understand uh, your question very well. Um, I, I, I'm a, I'm a a rule breaker. I I don't believe in any of the conventions. I think that uh, writing in the sonnet form could be interesting as a historical anachronism, but I don't, I don't advise it. And uh, when advising people who are just beginning, I say, make sure your idea is connected to what you're saying. So how you're saying it's got to somehow match what you're saying. Apart from that, there are no other rules, which is that's that's a that's an ancient literary rule that goes back to about 300 A.D. uh, or E.C.E. Um, I don't know which one's proper anymore. But, yeah, um, you're a rule breaker. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so what you say should match how you say it. Fair enough. Uh, Form rather than function or the two within each other? 
the two married to each other. Uh, that's what I would look for when I was editing. And when I'm uh, uh, coaching uh, people, I would say, well, you've got the one, but you don't have the other. Uh, like, for example, you can even break that rule. So, for example, um, uh, the, the song by Bobby Darren uh, about the shark, uh, he breaks the rule. It's a toe-tapping song. It's a jolly song. When the shark bites with his teeth here, mm-hmm. well, you know that, smack the knife, you know, like that. And it's a happy little tune until you realize it's about a serial killer. And then you go, oh, my God, what am I listening to? What am I tapping my toes to? You know, so that then it generates irony. Uh, and I go, well, don't start with irony. If you're going to break rules, uh, try to learn the rules first and match what you're saying with how you say it before you get get into the more complicated stuff. Fair enough. That's, uh, that's, that's wise right there. I, I, uh, I like to break rules when it comes to my writing and I try to create my own style or, or, you know, it's people are, you know, I hear too many, I don't read poetry. I don't like poetry. I don't read it. Well, probably because it's been the same way for thousands of years and they're looking for something new or unique and there's too many people just following form and function. It's true. Yeah. People are, are kind of stuck in uh, a, a certain pattern or a way of doing it. And uh, this is what I've noticed on the internet and stuff uh, that uh, they, they, they write about their own writing in, in more or less the same way. It keeps, it's a loop. Hang on a second here. Yeah. Well, when I when I did my magazine Rampike, uh, I was always looking for something fresh, and uh, I, I I did interviews and I did uh, visual art and I did theory, uh, and uh, I published a lot of writers, but they were all they they all had to make one hurdle for me, and that was it had to be something unusual, something fresh, and right. uh, the mag the mag uh, very quickly got an international following. It, people still talk about it. It's uh, it's on the uh, Letty Library archives right now, digital archives. And um, I made sure the copyrights remain with all the contributors. But it's easy to find. All you got to do is Google uh, about Rampike. And um, it'll pop up and you just click the university button and you're in. It's free. And, that's yeah, R-A-M-P-I-K-E? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, it's free. And... Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, over four thousand pages of cool stuff. Oh, wonderful! I did it for a long time. I was crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> do, do you miss doing it? Not really, no, because it <laughs> took so much energy and time, you know. And and then you got to fill out the income tax forms every year, you know. And then you got to apply for Canada Council grants and uh, Ontario Arts Council grants and junk like that. It's it's just a, a royal pain. I was I was going to change the name to R- Rump Ache, you know, uh, after a while because uh, uh, Rampike is a good title, but you know, it, it became a pain in the butt. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can I can well imagine. Um, did publishing and and editing your journals, uh, Rampike, affect your writing? Yeah, I'd say definitely, yeah. For many years, I was busy with the mag, and uh, it did well internationally. And uh, we were able to include, uh, I was able to include 
prize-winning authors. Um, and uh, it was interesting, but it took a lot of time and energy. And so some of the people I published were academics, including people like Jacques Derrida, Umberto Eco, Julia Kristeva. Uh, but most were career writers or artists such as Paul Oster or Thomas King, uh, okay. David, David Foster Wallace, Clarice Lispector in translation from Brazil, Robert Mapplethorpe, photographer, and poets like George Bowering, Robert Croach, Judith Fitzgerald, uh, Leonard Cohen, Daphne Marlett. People Wait like a sec, that. back so, up. Leonard Cohen? I know. I couldn't believe it. That was because of Judith Fitzgerald. She She uh, introduced me. Uh, and she's passed away since God bless her. But um, anyway, and I also spent a lot of time uh, including indigenous authors such as Thompson Highway and Norval Morso, artists as well. Uh, and I published uh, a lot of uh, Windsorites such as Alistair MacLeod, uh, prize winning uh, poets and writers, fiction writers, Eugene McNamara and artist Ian Baxter and who's uh, started in Vancouver but ended up in Windsor. And oh, so wow. my Rampike authors won or were nominated for most of the prestigious prizes in the world, including the Booker, the Commonwealth, the Orange, the Pulitzer, Dublin Impact, Neustadt, Giller, Trillium, Writers Trust, Governor General's Award, to name only a few. So I always had one foot inside the academic world and one foot out. Uh, but you learn, to answer your question, you learn a lot by editing. It takes a lot of time, but then translating and learning uh, into your own writing, translating that writing, that learning into your own writing is tricky uh, because uh, you gotta you gotta know how to apply it, like what you learned. Learning how to and where to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you can you can get derailed really easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I seem to go off the rails quite a bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. Has the internet changed writing and literary expression? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think yes, and not necessarily for the better. Uh, the amount of material that's on the internet is enormous. Anyone can uh, publish their stuff on the net, which is maybe a good thing. So there's a democratization thing going on. But there are very few gatekeepers, and there's an awful lot of self-promotion, a lot of advertising. And I'm slightly guilty of that because I I, I, um, I I put notices out that I'm doing a reading here and there. And I try to keep a lid on it. I'm, I'm relatively modest. And that's probably why people haven't heard of me. Uh, I, I I don't appear there. I see people on online every single day. And it's like they even put like I had a bowl of porridge today, you know, and I go, I don't care. You know, <laughs> like, uh on the other hand, maybe the internet lends itself to quicker discoveries. Uh, so you get to pick up stuff like from other countries like Africa or India um, or, or, or continents. Um, and as Marshall McLuhan once said, uh, it shrinks the world and we can have almost instantaneous access to anything that's not censored. Uh, it's not the truth. Not censored, yes. It's okay. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I think we have enough time for another poem if you've got one. Okay, yeah, sure. I got one little short one here. It's called The Simple Life, and uh, it was published in Mouse Eggs uh, out in uh, Montreal. And it's in response to uh, composer John Cage, who uh, used to pay careful attention to the sounds that surrounded him, 
So it's more of an acoustic thing. It's an acoustic experience that I had one time while I was writing. And he here's the poem. I prefer, I prefer a simpler life, but instead at night I write and lay away poems in a cardboard box that I keep where? For what? Now, during the 3 a.m. insomniac business of words, consuming strong tea only ensures further sleeplessness. The second hand keeps count, punctuating silences from inside the body of a plastic clock hanging on the kitchen wall. That's it. I followed you imagery in my mind. There we go. It was easy to follow. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I was, I was trying, I'm kind of aiming for that. I was, I didn't want to make it too uh, esoteric. Some people might still find that esoteric. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's all about perception, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um. So I have one more question for you that you don't know about. It's the mysterious eighth question. So okay. uh, when it comes to writing poetry, what what is your biggest uh frustration huh well i guess laziness you know um just getting my butt up over to the desk and sitting down and actually doing it um i've heard this from many people uh who used to coach me in my writing back when i was starting and they said just do it get out there and do it and I'd go, okay, you know, but sometimes you don't feel like doing it. And the the funny thing is when you sit down uh, and you start writing something, stuff juices start flowing. And uh, it's amazing. You can surprise yourself. But unless you're at the desk and, and doing something, like I use a keyboard, and you're clicking away, nothing will happen. And you might be waiting for that brilliant inspiration but it, it, it hesitates to come, you know, like it, it takes a really long time. There's nothing so worse than a, that, never get there. there's nothing worse than a cursor flashing back at you going, wow, I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. Or the blank page. I used to use a typewriter. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I was never much for a, of a typer. So <laughs> I had to learn how to type because I, I figured, well, I'm going to need it for the keyboard too. And uh, so I learned how to type. I know people who can uh, blind type, you know, they, they uh, can close their eyes and they can type everything. I have trouble with the numbers, but I, I can do pretty much all of the letters. If I, if I was, uh, if I lost vision, I, I could probably still keep writing. I do most of my typing blind. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not by choice. I can assure you. Yeah. All right. We're going to go into part two, which is shameless plugging. Okay. Um, which I think we all like to do it. Some of us, maybe not so much as others, but so um, what book do you currently have available on the market and where can people get it or them? Well, thanks for asking this. Uh, it, it, it really is helpful. Um, I guess my latest book is uh, uh, the short stories in the razor's edge. Um, it's from porcupine squill press. And you can learn about it by going to my easy to find website, which is uh, basically my name in the middle of uh, org. 
I didn't know org meant organization. I just liked the sound of it. You know, it, it reminded me of other stuff. When I <laughs> when I was able to pick it, I could have picked a whole bunch of other kind of endings, and I picked org because I just liked the sound of it. Anyway, it's Jurgen www.jurgens dot org. Yeah, it's easy to find, and uh, there's info there. So that's probably the best place to start. So nothing on Amazon or. Yeah, there's stuff on Amazon and there's there's stuff on Facebook and um I'm on Facebook too. You can search my name. Oh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. Um are you currently working on anything and if so, how close to completion is it? Well, I promised myself to finish a novel um and I'm I'm partway through it right now, but I guess I'm, it's only about one quarter, maybe one third done. Uh, after that, I got a suite of poems that I, uh, I call Under the Canoe about a group of seven painter, Tom Thompson. I, I don't know if I'll get to that. Uh, well, I, I'm trying to. I got to get the novel finished first. So, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so how many how many projects do you ever have on the go at one time? Uh, usually about three or four, you know, like and I'm working on I'm working on one about money. Because <laughs> I thought that would sell, you know, like I'm trying to think of th- stuff that'll sell. I, I, I got to supplement my income somehow, you know, and I'm I'm looking at, I go, money will sell. People want to know about money. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, what version of money, you know, the, the digital yeah, or the paper? Yeah. And or... then there's the scam artists, you know, I get emails from people promising me uh, millions of dollars and I'm going, congratulations, you've just inherited uh, uh, $7 million from XYZ. And I, I go, I never heard of that person. So it's obviously a scam. And I go, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> I, I got a similar email from the FBI saying that they were holding some suspicious packages from some other country in Europe. And uh, oh, oh, yeah, it's, it's amazing the, the, the lengths people will go to. Um, if you had to choose one of your books or poems or stories as a favorite, which one would it be and why? Um, I guess I guess my latest book is is my favorite right now, but I, I tend to like my late whatever my latest book is at the time. You know, like when it comes out, I go, "That's my baby." You know, I, I'm really proud of it, and I really worked hard on that. You should love it too. But what about your other babies? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. picking your favorite child. Yeah, it's true. Um, and now we'll get to uh, where can people connect with you. Uh, Facebook, email, snail mail, TikTok, Instagram, and the the rest. Yeah, that's it's a, lo- a long list. Um, I, I don't use TikTok, uh, but I know a lot of people do. And thanks for asking, and thanks for the interview. It's greatly appreciated. People can find me on Facebook if they type in my name, J I R G E N S. That might be the easiest place to start. If you message me or you befriend me, that's cool. Uh, I'm, I'm really easy going with uh, making friends on Facebook. I've got over a thousand friends. They used to put a limit on it. And now they, I think they removed the limit. Uh, my webpage is a good one too, uh, Um Or y- you can uh, look for me on Instagram. Um, I'm not really on Twitter that much. I, I rarely use it especially after Musk's purchase of it and, you know, the fact that Donald Trump might appear on it. I just said, no, I don't want to be on there. Uh, And I'm not on TikTok. Uh, And I, 
I guess I could provide my snail mail address. I don't think I should. And I I'd, could provide my email address, and I don't think I should uh, on on live radio or whatever. Yeah, don't feel like you have to. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the easiest way would be just go to my website and or um, Facebook. Now, we did discuss earlier if your books were on Amazon. Do you have an Amazon author page? I do not, no. Um, <clears throat> um, Porcupine's Quill is taking care of uh, all of the sales. And the, 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 the hassle with that uh, is that they use a, a University of Toronto distributor. And uh, one of the problems with uh, the distributor is that uh, they charge quite a bit of money for shipping. So ah. I, I recommend that if you want a book of mine, you just go into your local indie bookstore and you just say, hey, I want a book by that guy. And uh, then they'll order it for you. And you don't have to pay the um, the shipping costs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, do you have any, well, before we get to that, read another poem. Okay. Um, yeah, all right. Ready, but I, okay, I, I I can find one within a second. I've got one right here. Time is not a factor, like I said. Okay. Um, Length is not a factor either. Okay. Um, okay. Here's a here's a, sh a relatively short one. Um, it's from Words of Peril in in three parts, and it's from the uh, Poems in Response to Peril uh, anthology that I I read uh, from. In support of Ukraine at uh, London's Wordfest. Uh, and the first one's called Saying. Who are we? What do we want? Current possibilities reduce intention. Trying. We read words, listen to reports, wonder. Recognize, blunder through half truths, broken syllables, lament, love lost. Are left with words, right? R I G H T. Right. W R I T E. Our being here, to what end, what cost? Outside, terrible lures threaten to swallow us. Reduced in our being, we abide in backyards, visited by sparrows, swallows. The others gone now that war and winter approaches. We are here. Here is what we are, who we are. Saying this makes us, makes us what is and isn't so. That's it. I'm just sorry. I was just trying to take all that in. That was uh, kind of deep. It's just, it's just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of deep, though. Yeah, it, it, I guess it is. Yeah, I was influenced by uh, uh, one one writer, one poet in the USA who used to write about um, nuclear physics and, and atomic physics and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, that person's got their act together. And I went, Okay, I can relate to some of that. And I, I started doing some of my own poems that way. Huh. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I just interviewed somebody, well, last season. Uh, and she uh, she was a trailblazer back in the 70s. She was one of two women that worked in a nuclear plant in Chalk River, Ontario. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and she's, uh, I think she was 70 when she published her first book, Psychological Thriller. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I love it when I, I can talk to new authors or established authors. I think 
you're probably the most prolific author that I've interviewed so far. And, 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 uh, and I thought I was going to be more lost talking to you, but uh, either you're making it really easy for me, or this is just a really good conversation. <laughs> well, no, I, I try to be uh user-friendly to, uh, for lack of a better term. But you don't uh, come with instructions. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing and I've, I've been on the hard side of the street and I've been on the easy side. I like to stay on the sunny side of the street, but, uh, yeah, you know, I've I've seen life from a lot of different perspectives, so I guess I I, I try to just talk normal. <laughs> Have you ever been on the sunny side of the street and watched the other side raining? Yeah, yeah, it's rough. You it know, is. I'm, I'm doing that right now with the Ukraine situation. Okay, it's it's pretty horrible over there. I got cousins over in uh, Latvia who are freaking out because uh, they're they they just well. There's a there's a controversy because uh, a couple of missiles just hit inside of Poland, which is right next to Latvia, yep. Estonia, and Lithuania, and and the Russians are blaming it on the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians said we didn't shoot any missiles there, it's a Russian missile, and the Russians are saying, whoops, sorry, we didn't do that. If and if we did, it was a mistake. So like, uh, I got folks who are back home in in uh, the Baltic area. They're they're kind of freaked out because of this war and um, yeah that's 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 the uh, rainy side and I'm I'm here on the sunny side you know quite comfortable in in Canada and it's not so bad over here. So I'm thinking you don't have any snow yet. <laughs> well, we had a little bit of snow, yeah. We had some snow, but uh, it it melted. So yeah. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'm in I'm in Windsor, which is the most southerly place in. Uh, Ontario that I could find to teach. I used to be up in Sault Ste. Marie um, at Laurentian University's uh, extended campus called Algoma. And uh, one summer I was uh, raking leaves and I, I, I saw a, an old newspaper that had flown underneath a, a bush. I said, well, I'll get that out. And uh, I reached under with my rake and uh, it was kind of a big bush. And uh, I'm raking, I'm raking, I'm raking, nothing comes out. And I go, what the heck's going on there? So I crawled under the bush to see what was going on with this newspaper. It turned out to be snow. This was in June. <laughs> June. I said, I got to get out of here. I got to move south. No kidding. So you're uh, you're across the bridge from Detroit then? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And it's kind of scary over there too, speaking of the sunny and uh, rainy side of the street, uh, <laughs> because they tried to kidnap and kill Governor Whitner. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy over there. Uh, it, it, it does frighten me a little bit, but uh, Canada so far has been okay. Well, so uh, far. We'll see. Although, although Doug Ford has done some crazy things with regard to education. And then he, he imposed the, uh, the, the notwithstanding clause to the teachers here. You know, it's like, that's not, not necessary. It was, they were in the middle of a negotiation. I didn't understand that at all. Uh, it's politics. <clears throat> Good thing politics has nothing to do with writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, nothing or everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, then there's that. Um, lastly, do you have any parting words of wisdom uh, for poets looking to get published, or any writer for that matter? Well, yeah. Um, search search the internet and see who's out there. Um, there's a uh, a list of um, 
periodicals that are uh, part of the University of British Columbia uh, Canadian Literature page. It's online, and you can, they've they've got about maybe sixty different magazines that are accepting material. Just go there, and then and then read carefully uh, which one might accept your stuff. And if you can, go to your library and read uh, as many of the periodicals as you can get your hands on and then find out which one suits your style the best and then send your stuff to them because you can forever send to the wrong places and get rejected endlessly. And uh, that'll be disheartening, you know? So like, yeah, I, I just recommend you, you target your, your, your shots really carefully. All right. So you brought up the word rejection. Um, what advice would you give to those who are tired of being rejected? <laughs> Persistence. That's the, the other word. Uh, keep trying. Sooner or later, uh, somebody will notice your stuff. If you have to go outside of the country, do so. Um, if you uh, yeah, just search what's out there um, and, and make literary friends if you can. Go to the uh, literary events in your town. And uh, sooner or later, somebody will publish your stuff uh, because you'll make friends at the uh, literary events. And often, uh, often uh, stuff happens when you're just talking to somebody. They say uh, stuff like, hey, I'm putting together an anthology or I'm putting together a magazine on X, Y, Z. And you go, hey, I got a poem about that or I got a piece of a short story about that. And they go, no kidding. Well, can you email it to me? And I go, yeah, OK. And, and suddenly you're in. And uh, it, it it just takes time, and you got to be out there, and you you gotta you gotta schmooze, I guess is the word. Well, but then there's extraneous, or what's the other word? Anyway, there are circumstances um, that, like I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I'm visually impaired. I live in a small town, and they kind of frown upon me driving. So. Okay, yeah. I can't get to these kind of events and they don't come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well then uh, I guess the next best thing is uh, zooms, like uh, find out who's doing zooms. And if you can use your screen to find out about those and attend as many of those as possible. And then um, see if you, you can get uh, zoomed uh, in an interview or a a presentation of poetry uh, that way, because a lot of people are are moving to the internet now, and um, there there are Zoom poetry sessions that were happening during COVID, and many of them just continued because they they found that that it's a, it's a good way to go, and so that would be my backup. That would be a pretty good backup then. Okay. Yeah, and or you know Facebook Facebook groups uh, or yeah. there's there's. Oh man, I was just doing a search through Facebook uh, writing groups, Canadian writing groups, because I'm a proud Canadian and I like to stay within my own country. Yeah, there's uh, Canada Writes just uh, is out, and and CBC does uh, a lot of stuff too. And so if you enter contests, like I've I've tried to enter contests, but uh, I'm always puzzled by what they accept and what they don't accept, and what they want, what they look for, and what they don't look for. And so I, I, I haven't really done that well on the contest sides. I, I know other people who have done pretty well, mm-hmm. but uh, not myself. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe I'm just too different. Uh, or 
Well, but, uh, meantime, uh, yeah, the uh, the other stuff is is pretty okay. Like if you if you can get out to uh, uh, zooms and uh, um, and web pages and and uh, even the CBC can be helpful because they provide all kinds of backup resources. And the Writers Union is pretty good. League of Canadian Poets is pretty good. So see if you can join some of those groups. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Well, I, I guess we've covered just about everything, Carl. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I really do appreciate the fact that you took the time out of your day to come do this with me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we had that talk uh, before we started this officially, so I got to know you a little bit better there. And uh, it, it, it's been a pleasure getting to to know you, talk to you about uh, you know how you feel about writing and, and what you write. And so, thank you very much again for coming on to the show. Well, big thanks to you for uh, running the show and uh, for doing the, uh, the 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 zooms or or the uh, audio recordings that you do. It's a podcast, I guess, officially, right? Officially. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and between the lines is fantastic. And and thank you very much, uh, Randy, for everything you're doing. And um, it's, uh, I guess, in a way, you're doing editing. And I think the editors of uh, this country are the unsung heroes. And because uh, we, we do a lot of work behind the scenes and people don't always notice it, you know, they they, they should, but they, they tend to take it for granted, you know, and, and it's people like you that make a big difference. Well, so like I said, we're this is uh, this interview is for season three, which is focused uh, on Canadian poets and their poetry. Uh, season two hasn't even finished airing yet. And so right now you're probably my ninth or 10th interview for season three. And I, I've yet to edit any of them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's going to take a while. uh, Well, you know what? I love it though. It's a challenge, especially in my condition. Right. But um, it's uh, it's something I I found that I enjoy doing. And, you know, many people have actually complimented me that uh, I'm pretty good at what I do with regards to, uh, conducting an interview, so to speak. So, but anyway, thank you very, very much. And uh, you have yourself a rest of a, a wonderful rest of your day. You too. And uh, thanks. Thanks again for doing this. Much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com. Use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacy.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember 
the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping between the lines.